fluff up, round out um, what we've been going over so far. One of the main things I've been pointing to this day and a half is how we are constantly interacting with the world, even if, say, our eyes are closed, the door is shut, and all of that stuff. Um, and we're interacting with the world through our six sense doors, or six senses. So to recap, it's hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, feeling, and thinking. Um, and then this in this morning's practice, I had invited you to tune into or at least start integrating or welcoming these uh, phenomena that come in through the different doorways as part of your practice, so to not shut them out. And then to start observing any ways that your body may be receiving these experiences or phenomena through the felt sense, so through sensation, but also tuning into things like pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. And so all of this, again, as I said this morning, it's really in service of you being able to access these tools or qualities when the retreat is done. So that you living in this way or going against the grain, as Tatiana said, doesn't have to end at 5 p.m. or when the timer goes off or when the bell rings, but, re but really can be this companion in your life. Um, and in my experience, as I alluded to this morning, is that the companionship that I feel from this practice is so steadfast. It has never abandoned me, no matter how many times I've tried to abandon it, um, because it wasn't doing what I had planned or what I had wanted it to kind of, um, how I wanted it to unfold. And so every time I return to it, because of the power that this practice can offer us, it has never judged me either for all of the times that I return to, to it. At the same time, as I talked about yesterday, we live in a pretty disembodied society. Our society, we tend to place a lot of value on the intellect, so on the mind. And so tuning into the felt sense of things can be quite challenging, especially if we've lived in the head for all of our life. And so one of the ways that has been extremely helpful for me to get reacquainted with my body Yesterday, I talked about it as if we were learning a new language. And so for some of us, we're at intro level 101 in learning the language of our body. Other, some of us, we might have a lot more um, capacity to tune into sensations. But what I realized, because I taught yoga also for 13 years, um, I was really well-versed in knowing the sensations of my body, but I wasn't really good at listening to what those sensations meant or what, were they, what they were trying to tell me. And so again, I really I reiterate the image of we're learning this language. And so wherever or regardless, wherever you are on that spectrum, what I find really helpful and what I revisit often in my practice is just simplifying the experience as expansion or contraction. So sometimes I might hear a sound and it happens so quickly. It could be this passing object, car, bird, whatever. And I find that I have a reaction to the sound, but I'm 
but the sound happens so quickly that it's, it all happens so fast, it's hard to kind of catch. So it's impossible for me to tune into, say, contraction in the throat, tightening of the hands, or et cetera, et cetera. And so I find also just simplifying to contraction and expansion helpful as we go about our lives when retreat ends, as we maybe pick up the speed to a more, um, I don't know, um, using air quotes, but socially acceptable speed. Because if you've been doing slow walking, um, if you're doing that on a busy sidewalk during rush hour, it might not be so welcome. (laughs) So you might have to pick up the pace but we can still learn how to be mindful regardless of the pace, basically. And so what I mean by contraction and expansion is, again, tuning into that inner landscape and trying, not trying to catch all of the details, basically, but just simply tuning in, contraction, expansion. And for me, my experience, especially as I train my mind and heart to start seeing this or listening to this, it's actually quite immediate, this internal reaction. And it's happening all day long. So for example, right now, we'll do a short exercise. You don't have to change postures or anything, but just tune into contraction or expansion. How does the body receive the following um, two sets of words? So the first set or the first word is discipline. Discipline. And then how does the next set of words land for you? Ice cream. Ice cream. Crème glacée. And blink your eyes open. And if you'd like, I'd love to hear in the uh, via chat. So here, AK read, how did discipline land for you? And just make sure that it is, uh, you've selected everyone when you chat so that everyone can see this as well. So just tuning into how discipline landed for you. Oh, everyone's not an option. So maybe it is now, Vanessa, thank you. Contraction, chest tighter, happy, tightening of neck and chest, a rigid frame, contraction, unsettling, expansion, relaxed, dislike, neutral, admiration, serious, tightness. Okay, great. Now, how did ice cream land for you, creme glacée? And again, just make sure it's um, everyone is chosen. Neutral, soft, also happy, neutral, spacious, open heart, contraction, open, laugh, happy, fun with friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, happy. Thank you, thank you. All right. So exactly, I love that pretty clearly you all had some sort of reaction. So that's what at least those who participated in the chat, that's what it tells me. 
a sidebar or a side note that I like to point out is you might have noticed that not everyone answered the same thing. Like a lot of people for discipline was like contraction, serious, rigid, but a few people were like happy and relaxed. So that really just points to our conditioning, how, we, how we've grown up with certain concepts. For example, with ice cream, a lot of folks had said fun with friends or happy, smile, etc. But if you were lactose intolerant, maybe it's like cramps, pain, uh, isolation when everyone would go for ice cream and you didn't or something like that. So all this to say is that we're constantly receiving and reacting to the world and our reactions are really conditioned responses. So they're the result of our past experiences, basically. And, and sometimes we might think because we've had a certain conditioning, like ice cream has only ever been pleasant, we might not ever understand why someone else would have an alternate or a different reaction. And in those moments, we might even forget, forget that and then blame them for maybe not sharing the same reaction as us. I think that a lot of our misunderstanding comes from that, for example, just not being able to acknowledge or recognize that others have different ways of, of coming into their relationship with ice cream or discipline. But going back to the extra, uh, expansion and contraction, what often happens is that we'll, we'll experience, say, expansion, and then we'll right away jump into, this is good. I got to keep it going. I deserve this. Or if it's, sorry, if it's um, contracted, we might do the opposite of, I did something wrong. I'm a bad person. Oh my gosh, what did I do? I'm a bad meditator. I don't belong or something like that. But there's an important step in the middle that we miss. And for me, that important step can be um, the doorway to a lot of freedom. And I talked about it this morning, and it's the second foundation of mindfulness. Feeling tone is often how it's translated. The Pali word is Vedana. And it's just how the mind will categorize something on its own based on past conditioning as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So the thing is, often if we feel something like contraction, there's a small moment where we recognize that it's unpleasant, but we don't hang out there. We don't spend a lot of mindfulness there, but instead we go into um, resistance perhaps. And then, and then if it really goes unchecked for a long time, it'll turn into somehow strategizing our lives so that we never have unpleasant experiences or these bad experiences. And yet expansion and contraction are natural rhythms of life, like gain and loss, pleasure and pain, um, praise and blame, birth and death, beginnings, endings, etc. It's really a natural part of life. And the sooner we can tune into that. And so one of the ways we can tune into that, as I pointed to or invited you to do in this morning's meditation, which was to also notice how things arise and pass away, how things are always changing. So when we combine the fact or the recognition or understanding that things are always changing and that there are natural rhythms to life, like expansion and contraction, inhale, exhale, 
light, dark. The sooner we can start recognizing that, then what happens is a resilience can get cultivated because we'll still feel the pain of a loss, a death or, or whatever, but we can start seeing that it's natural and we won't measure our self-worth against life's fluctuations. And so for me, that was really huge. And so this morning during the Q&I, how I shared about how I would sometimes go into shame cycles, and I still do, but they happen way less often than before. And, I'm, and when they do happen, I'm able to catch myself way quicker than ever before. And I think it's because through my meditation practice, when seemingly nothing is happening, it's just the breath but tuning into the arising and passing away of it. And the inhale that naturally is followed by an exhale that is naturally followed by another inhale. So all of these kind of natural, these pointings to Dhamma nature reminds me or sets me up for when I do fall into that shame cycle. Um, Just choosing what I want to say next. Okay, a couple things. So in the Buddhist teachings, it never says anything like, um, are you agitated or distracted? Well, then you don't belong here. You got to go get extra help or anything like that. Instead, in the Buddhist teachings, it says, when the mind is scattered, know when the mind is scattered. When the mind is unified or gathered, know that the mind is gathered. That's all it says. I talked about yesterday how sometimes a misunderstanding with practice is that we're supposed to suddenly be these all-accepting Buddhas in, um, in, in the world where, where we're really supposed to tolerate everything because it's in the definition of mindfulness to be with the present moment without judgment and with kindness. And yet, if we approach life like that, then we're denying the natural cycle. We're almost forcing or jamming the heart to stay open when another natural rhythm is that the heart will close and the heart will open. And so if we take that, um, that quote from the Buddha, know when the mind is scattered, know when the mind is gathered. Same with the heart, know when your heart is open, know when your heart is closed. And then from there, choose wisely. So that's the active quality of mindfulness I talked about. Um, and so the choosing wisely, when my heart is closed, um, I need to pay close attention to who and how who I interact with and, and how I interact with them. So when the heart is closed, calling my mom is off the table those days. Um, and, and then when my heart is open, I have to actually check how much I say yes to because my experiences, I get excited, I get, I get um, carried away by the open heart. I say yes to so many things and then I have I don't have enough energy for all of the things I've committed to, and then I burn out. 
So with mindfulness, we can also start getting to know a little bit more what our cycles are and then continue to recalibrate and continue to choose wisely. Um, Yeah, I think that's really what I want to point to, feeling tone, the second foundation of mindfulness. Um, and just wanting to point out as well, for those of you who might not be familiar, but there are four foundations of mindfulness. The first, mindfulness of the body. Second, mindfulness of feeling tone. The third is often translated as mindfulness of the mind. And the fourth is mindfulness of the dhammas. Uh, or teachings or nature. But the thing that I want to point out is that pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, something that happens naturally or on its own already. Oh, yes. Uh, side note, sidebar is the feeling tone that pleasant, unpleasant, neutral happens naturally, as I just said. But I didn't hear that from my teachers at first. I was like, oh, pleasant, that's the problem. I just got to stop thinking of, of things as pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Um, save yourself months of practice and um, useless effort and know that that happens naturally. You can't change it. <laughs> so that's a sidebar. But all this to say that um, the Buddha had taught that this is one-fourth of this path of mindfulness. Um, and so it is not to be underestimated. For me, this is the one that comes alive so much um, in day-to-day -day life because I'm constantly navigating pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. And just watching, when you have the time and space, watch how the body or the heart and mind is motivated by that. It's natural. Again, we inherited this from our um, ancestors millions of years ago. The heart, when it's in the presence of pleasantness, will want more of that. When it's in the presence of unpleasantness, it'll want less of that. That's a natural movement. But the choice point and where a lot of our, our, our power lies is we don't actually have to buy into those um, primal reactions. Yeah, the heart wants more pleasantness. That's completely normal. But we might ask ourselves, but is this onward leading? Is this sustaining? Will this actually lead to less suffering in my life now and others and in the future? And there's no blanket answer. There's not like, oh, eating a bag of chips when, I sat, when I'm sad is never onward leading. So never eat chips again. No. Sometimes it's what you need. Other times there's a wisdom there that's like, no, not right now. So it's this, this engagement that is that comes alive moment to moment. And that if you spent your whole life only turning towards this, the Buddha taught that you can become enlightened just by this. You can even forget all the three others, three other foundations of mindfulness, and you can uh, become enlightened just by focusing on this. So I, that little marketing plug at the end was because I, uh, I was like, Meh, I don't really get pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. So I kind of thought I, would, I could go about my practice life never really turning towards it. 
And it was maybe 10 years into my practice when I practiced in Burma with this teacher, Saida Utijaniya, that I really got it in a, in a new way. And my uh, living, living my practice completely changed since then. Um, it really expanded what I consider f- as practice. And now it's everything is an opportunity for practice. Um, and it's just brought so much richness and color to my life. So just um, really, really hoping the same for you. So, um, thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.